Live from Orlando, Florida, you're now listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Orlando Magic fans. Join us every week for a unique fan perspective on all of the latest Magic news and updates. The show starts now. Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Your host for today is Al myself anthony and we got a special guest from the orlando sentinel sports writer who covers the orlando magic roy perry what's going on sir how much guys thanks for having me i appreciate it but i, I forgot to mention this earlier anthony i love your beard by the way al pr- pretty good too i know you're it's still coming in a little bit but uh it's really good beard going on roy i'll be i'll be honest with you um i had four months paternity leave i just had a baby um that was born in october and you should have saw my beard four months of not working my beard touched like the middle of my chest so if you like this beard yeah. i gotta show you a picture of what it looked like uh, a couple of weeks ago yeah please do and congratulations by the way boy or girl it's a girl oh good luck yeah right good luck <laughs> uh, i kind of made a an early dad mistake um for christmas right so she was already three months she just already celebrated her three months um around christmas and i bought her about 150 dollars worth of orlando magic gear (laughs) my my issue is that i bought it all zero to three months and she literally only had a good two weeks worth of my 150 dollars worth of orlando magic gear which uh is kind of brutal yeah, my, my wife yelled at me and was like, you're supposed to get it for six months. Now she can't wear any of it. Yeah, so, they grow. Don't want that. Really fast. What what day was she born? She was born October 2nd. 2nd. Oh, cool. My birthday is on October the 2nd. Yeah, so. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Close. Awesome. Now, uh, Roy, not a lot of people know that you came from, um, you were an educator um, in middle school and then you were kind of involved in the high school area. You were a high school, you were a, a history teacher for the eighth grade, if I'm not mistaken. I was. Um, how? <laughs> How did you transition from being an educator to now covering the Orlando Magic for the Orlando Sentinel? So um, in my first life, I was a, a sports writer. That's what I went to school for. I started working when I was in college. Um, originally, I went to uh, I was at the University of Missouri for a year. And then I had a, uh, a friend uh, who was dating a cousin of mine. So he was really a good friend, too. But I had done some work over the summer for their, for the paper in Macomb, Illinois. And he said, Hey, come, come work for us. And so I transferred to Western Illinois and just started working, covering high school sports. Um, it was, I mean, I was part-time, but I was working like 35 hours a week while I was going to school. So that's where it really got started. And then uh, just moving around to some different places in Illinois, when you're at small newspapers, you do a little bit of everything. So you, you know, you have a, a pretty good taste for what needs to get done. And that's kind of, that's kind of what you become. You just become a guy who gets stuff done. You know, whatever needs to be done, you step in and take care of it. So always had a good work ethic that way. And, and uh, was it, I was working in Daytona. I was there for uh, eight years. My wife originally is from here. We moved back. Um, our kids were younger. And so we just kind of started talking about, wouldn't it be nice to have summers off with the kids and kind of have the same schedule? So I started looking and originally I was trying to get a journalism teaching position. Um, and had a couple of opportunities that fell through. So back in those time, those days, you didn't have to have a degree in education. Um, you could take the, the state exam. So, and I'm pretty good at taking tests. So I was able to pass the tests, get different certifications. And one of those was middle school integrated. So I was able to teach history. Um, I was at uh, Teague Middle in Altamont. And then I got a, my, my own teaching job. I was up at Carver Middle in Leesburg. Um, it, it, it just was a little different than I expected. Um, 
it was a lot more challenging than I thought it would be. Um, you know, I really like history as something, uh, I had a minor in history, so it was a pretty easy transition, but I just found I, I just wasn't able to quite connect with the kids like I thought it was. So I didn't feel like I was really, some of the kids, yes, but most of them, I just feel like I didn't connect with very well. And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to be that teacher. And so I kind of reevaluated some things and took a step back. And then I went and worked at uh, university high school here in Warner city, but I was more like a, like a campus advisor. So I was able to just interact with the kids differently. You know, you can just, you can, you get to know them a little bit more. It's in a different setting than the classroom. And I just felt like that was a better way to make a difference. Now you make a heck of a lot less money doing that, but you know, it's, um, it's one of those things. And I ended up getting hired, got back in newspapers, went to the Sentinel, I was working on the copy desk. Um, and then the way things just sort of happened, Josh Robbins, as you well know, uh, took a job with the athletic and then we kind of filled in some gaps a little bit. And I was one of the people that stepped in from time to time. And then, then you know, I took it over teen season and then I've had it ever since. So that's, that's sort of how I got to where I am now. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because during that transition where Josh Robbins ended up leaving, um, it, it kind of felt like for a small time period, there was, there was really a void from the Orlando Sentinel. Josh Robbins was really one of the only ones at the times so I was really bringing out, um, a lot of content directly with the magic. And what ends up happening is you have a lot of these outside media outlets that they talk about the magic, but it's really hard if you're an outsider, because if you're, if you're a real fan, you're able to kind of spot out the things that really don't connect. Right. Um, and uh, I just want to say that you you've definitely done a really great job in filling that void. Um, I, I'm a subscriber to the Athletic, um, but I know that there's a lot of fans out there that they're not crazy about the paywall. Um, and <laughs> as as much as I, it's worth it. Um, and I definitely you don't know, want fans to do that. Um, the fact that you're able to write the way that you do and cover the team the way that you have, um, you've definitely filled that void. So you've I've been a fan since you've um, been covering it full time. I, I really appreciate that. That I, I, I really means a lot. So, you know, I'm going to, you know, there's times when you're, you're just grinding through it and you're like, I don't even know if this even makes sense, you know, and you're sending stuff <laughs> out and, you know, that's the challenge is just trying to stay on top of everything because there's just so much that comes at you. And, you know, I've got a couple of stories that I wish I'd already had done by now. And I just haven't been able to stay on top of that kind of stuff, but I appreciate those words. It definitely is encouraging. Now you came from the Illinois area in, in a little bit of Michigan. Um, you, it sounds like you've been in Orlando for a, a little while. Um, have you, did it, did you start having a passion for the magic at all? Or is it more of a job? Like it, when, when it comes to what team do you really follow or, or really a big fan of who would you say is that team and who would you say is that player? Uh, in terms of the NBA, I've always been a Bulls fan. I mean, Way back even, I mean, we're talking Dave Corzine, Artis Gilmore. I mean, way back when they – and they first started to get on WGN. I mean, I, you know, I'm an 80s kid, so cable was a big deal, right? And then WGN was like one of the big channels you got with cable. So we started right. a lot of Bulls games, a lot more Bulls games. I shouldn't say a lot, but, then, you know, then, of course, they drafted Michael Jordan. And, uh, you know, my goodness, what a great what a great time that was to be a Bulls fan. So I've always been partial to the Bulls. You know, they've not been great the last few seasons. Um, I mean, of, of, of all time, my favorite player of all time, you know, would have been Michael Jordan. Um, probably today. That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, 
it, it sounds like if you're if you're from the Illinois area, it's kind of a requirement to like the Bulls and to like, to <laughs> like Jordan. It's, it's like it, it's it's you're not allowed to like any other team no. during that time. Right. Period. Well, my favorite team of all time would be the '89 Illinois basketball team that had Nick Anderson on it. Um, okay. I mean, just besides my love for the St. Louis Cardinals, I just loved that team because of the way that they played and because they beat Indiana twice that season. So that's another reason. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just had, you know, some great players and they played above the rim. It's just like nothing we'd ever seen before. Um, just love watching those guys. That was just, that's my, probably my all time favorite basketball team. Um, you know, it was unfortunate they weren't quite able to get to the final. Um, if somebody just hits, just bumps Sean Higgins out of the way, they get the rebound and they, and they beat Michigan, but we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I just, um, that was really the, the the thing. I just loved Illinois basketball, um, you know, growing up. So there was always a natural progression to root for the Bulls, as you said. St. Louis, I was actually grew up closer to St. Louis, hence my uh, uh, affinity for the Cardinals, but um, they didn't have a professional basketball team. So um, and really not even a strong college presence in terms of major athletics. So it was always the U of I, you know, and, th- and they were on television. You could always watch them play. Um, so that's kind of where that started. But, um, yeah, I just everything about Jordan I just really liked. You know, growing up as, a, as a, being a teenager at that time, you're, you're kind of impressionable. You kind of fashion your game after that a little bit. His work ethic, you know, all those things. It was just easy to, to, to try to be like Mike, you know, as the saying goes. So, um but I tell you, today's game, you know, it's a lot different. Um, I really like watching Bradley Beal play. That guy is amazing. Um, you know, everybody's out to stop him. I know he takes a lot of shots, you know, every game, in part because he can, in part because he has to. He yeah. um, has to, does have yeah. a choice. But it's just the fact that he can still score 32 points a game just is a, is a testament to his, his ability and his – his skill and plus he's a St. Louis guy, so that helps as well. But um I, I was I was yeah. just gonna check that out because I, I remember that he was from the Midwest yeah, and I I kinda thought that he was from there. But he did go to the University of Florida, so technically we can claim him. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Good point. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So so yeah. So I gotta ask Roy, you grew you grew up watching MJ as, as a basketball fan growing up. Now you get to follow the NBA every day. You kinda watch LeBron and what he's accomplished. Then again, I got to simply ask that question. In your thoughts, your opinion, MJ, LeBron, what do you say on all in that huge debate? Well, I, I, I think that I don't know if we, we, we had ever seen a player like Jordan before he came, not in terms of his, of his skill and all the things that he did well, but just his determination. And then, and, you know, I mean, if you've watched any of this, of the Netflix series, which is quite good, you know, you, you see the impact that that had on his teammates. It wasn't always a good thing, but professionally speaking, I mean, what it did for those other guys, Scottie Pippen in particular, I mean, you know, Jordan just said, look, you just, you, you've got to step up and be the best that you can be. You know, I'm not going to accept anything less. And I think that's just the way that he sort of inspired his teammates to do that um, was something that we had never seen. And I, I mean, you know, it's hard to compare those two as players, um, you know, Jordan was, a, you know, obviously I think had a better jump shot, a better outside game. Um, the three point shot wasn't nearly what it is now. The floor, you know, the spacing isn't what it is now. LeBron's got so much more space to work with, um, you know, but in terms of physical skill, I don't know that we'll ever see a player like LeBron. Um, just the, the guy who's that big, 
who can move the way that he moves, the way that, you know, he's able to, to finish around the basket. You know, he's so dangerous inside the three-point line. Once he gets going to the basket, nobody's going to stop him. Um, you know, and, and, he, and he's figured out how to make plays for, for everybody around him as well. So, you know, it, it's, it's really hard to say one is that much better than the other. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I would say I probably would, would – if I had to pick between the two, I probably would pick Michael. Um, I think just because of the way that he was able to, you know, like I said, create that sort of, uh, and promote that sort of teamwork around, around, you know, on his team. I'm not saying LeBron doesn't do, isn't a good teammate, uh, and doesn't play for his team because he certainly seems to do that. But, um, you know, Michael was like the guy. So, um, and I'm, I'm trying not to be biased, you know, obviously as a Jordan fan, but, um, you know, they certainly they certainly each have changed the game. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. They they have so many, <clears throat> so many different things in common. When you really think about the two of them, they're so comparable in a lot of different ways. And and one of my favorite things um, that I always like to bring up that they have in common is the fact that they were both stopped by the Orlando Magic to make it into the finals. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's my favorite. It's my favorite talking point, <laughs> which brings up a perfect segue to uh, to get into talking about Orlando Magic basketball. So Nicole Nikola Vucevic. Obviously, um, it, he he got the se- his second time of getting the nod into the All Star game, um, which kind of seeing how the season going, how the season's going, there's been a lot of disappointment. So it's really the one thing to really go right for the Orlando Magic. How much do you think him making the NBA All Star game um, does for? the team in general where we're kind of on the fence. We really don't know which direction we're really going to go, whether it's really try our hardest to fight and get into, you know, the, the play in tournament and get into the playoffs or kind of go a different direction. But now how, how much you really think that impacts the team, at least the team morale? Yeah, I'll, I'll say this to start and we may get into this more. Um, this season has been crazy for, for every team. Uh, for a lot of reasons, um, you know, the, the, the pandemic being the first of those reasons. So I, I just think that anything positive that happens, I think that it's, it is sort of tempered a little bit by the circumstances of what's going on with this season. Now, that being said, teammates love him. They just, they love him because he wants them to succeed as much as he does. I mean, that's really what you get in that dynamic between Vooch and the rest of the magic is that he wants others to succeed just as much. You know, and so for for him to make the All Star team, you know, his teammates had talked about it for weeks. They were super excited for the possibility, and of course, the way he's, he was playing and is still playing, it was a really good possibility. So it wasn't some pie in the sky thought that oh, it's you know, it's Vooch. You know, he really is deserving of of of, of the of the selection. So I think that it could serve as a little bit of a boost. I mean. Um, as you said, there's there's been so much adversity uh, that's hit this team this year, you know, for something good to happen, along with the way that they have been playing lately, which is another encouraging sign. Um, you know, obviously they're they're just ecstatic for him, and you know, and, and and it just gives the organization a little bit more notoriety. It's hey, the Magic they got an All Star, you know, even though he was an All Star a couple years ago, still, you know, playing at a different level. So. Um, I think that it can give them a, a, a certainly a little bit of a, of a psychological boost move going forward for sure. And then Roy, what's your take on, on, on the media and, and those 
NBA fans that say Vooch should not be in the All-Star game, that there should be, you know, another player, whether it be uh, Sabonis from Indiana Pacers or whoever it may be. What's your take on, on those fans or media from the NBA that, that continue to say that, despite the fact that Vooch has been named an All-Star now? Well, I think that, you know, if we live in the perfect world, everybody who deserved it, anything in life would get it right. That's not the way that it works, unfortunately. So I think that, you know, when you look at the body of work and what the attention that Vooch commands from opposing defenses every night, you know, teams are geared up to stop him. They're geared up to stop uh, Terrence Ross. Those are the two guys that they look at every in every game plan. And the way that the magic were able to play through, through Vucevic and use him in so many different ways. I mean, if you were to say Nikola Jokic should not be an all-star, That's almost like saying, you know, Vucevic should not be an all-star because they're very similar players. Um, you know, Jokic has the ball in his hands a lot more. I'd say he's probably maybe a slightly better passer. I mean, it's still close. Um, that's one of the things Vucevic does really well. I mean, they're very comparable players. So I don't think that, you know, I mean, there's obviously a lot of bias and, and fans want their own players to make the team for obvious reasons. But I think Vuce certainly, certainly was deserving, you know, but he's making more threes than any – well, okay, look, they got Lowry Markinen listed as a center. He's not really a center. He's playing as a center for the Bulls, but he's a forward. Other mm -hmm. than him, you know, nobody's making more threes per game from the five spot than Vucevic. And if you just said that three or four years ago, people probably would have laughed. Like, That's yeah, Vucevic is going to lead the league in, in threes from the five? No way. No way. There's no way. I see that all the time. Yeah, just the work that he's put in, I mean, it's, it's just really phenomenal. And uh, to see that coaches can uh, – you know, coaches see – what what the value of players um you know and so i think that that certainly was a, a that definitely played in in the Bush's, in you know his favor you know because they get to see those guys play they have to game plan against them so um you know it, it is what it is um i thought you know sabonis was definitely having a great season too another guy that's expanded his game he's not just an inside presence um they play through him a lot too um but you know To look at Vooch's numbers and just say, oh, he shouldn't be an all-star because he's in Orlando, that's 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 silly. It's just silly. Yeah, I think I think the fact that he made it there a second time is so important. Um, just because it, it proves that the first one wasn't a fluke. Um, and although the the national media counted him out, although the the fan base, there was nothing there for Nikola Vucevic. I think for him as a player, he should appreciate the fact that he was voted in by the coaches because they're the ones that have to plan the day before of, on how to really guard and, and slow down Nikola Vucevic. And the fact that they all acknowledge that really goes to show you his his presence and his impact on on a day-to-day -day basis um, against uh, opposing teams. Now, it, it, it brings up another question. Um Vucevic is now entering his his ninth season with the Orlando Magic, which is, if you really think about it, it's a very long time with the franchise. When you look at the different players that the Magic have already inducted into their Orlando Magic Hall of Fame, uh, do you see Nikola Vucevic as a lock guaranteed he's going to have a plaque at Amway? I don't think there's any question. Um, you know, just if you if you look at what he's done over the course of his career, you know, even when they were struggling, you know, he's still was putting up pretty good numbers, but at the same time, it, you know, it, you know, he's talked about this in the past, you know, it was, obviously it was, it was discouraging, you know, when you're not winning, it's no fun, but you still have to go out there and try to perform at your best. So testament to him for being able to start, you know, and he's certainly not the only player that's ever done that. Just we're talking about Booch. So uh, being able to, 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 
step above that adversity and continue to improve as a player. And the magic, I mean, certainly the face of the franchise, um, uh, the last few seasons, um, provides great leadership. Um, he plays the game the right way. And I think he, you know, he kind of has come to embody what the magic stand for, uh, off the court as well. He's a, you know, he's, he's hooked up in the community. He gives back in a lot of ways. So I think he's a perfect example of someone that, that the magic would induct into the hall of fame for sure. And, and that, that's in addition to, you know, all of the, you know, all of the records that he's, you know, that he's setting and moving up on, on all sorts of, of, of lists as well. So, you know, there's a good chance he'll, you know, he could become the all-time leading scorer next season. So, um, uh, you know, actually, I think that would be this season if I remember my math correctly anyway. Um, but yeah, I think he definitely would be a, a lock for a Hall of Fame. Crazy to think about when you think back to that Dwight Howard trade and you think about Vucevic, the piece that he was and, and now what he's become, you know, nine years later, possibly 10. Uh, amazing, really, to think about how that trade worked out. And hey, at the end of the day, the Magic have been the winners. If you think about how that trade really played out, the Magic won that trade. Yeah, you've got a guy who's put his heart and soul into your organization for nine seasons, as opposed to somebody who wanted out in several other places after they were traded. So, uh, you know, I think from that standpoint, you, you, you get a guy who you know what you're going to get when he goes out on the court. And I think there's a lot to be said for that for sure. So yeah, you, you could, you could definitely say that the magic, you know, probably got the best part of that trade looking, you know, as, as, as it's progressed, you know, at the time it's maybe not so much, but you know, you didn't quite know what Vucevic had, but yeah, I mean, I think Sixers fans probably maybe are hope, wishing they hadn't given up on Vucevic so soon, but he's not the only player that's gone out of Philly and fans have bemoaned that. So we'll, we'll see. Listen, every every chance that we get to kind of stick it to Sixers fans, we, we will take it 100%. And we'll keep reminding because it makes us feel better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, now, when it comes when it comes to Nikola Vucevic, because um, you made a valid point, he's really liked by his teammates, and a lot of them have publicly came out and said that you know we need him to make the All Star game. If he doesn't make it, I'm going to be more upset. He has such um, a positive outlook around, and it, and it really says a lot on the player that he is. Now, the the Magic, it, it feels like we really had a really rough patch where a lot of players were injured. We barely were able to put the minimum amount of players on the court. Um, but then we started getting healthy. MCW started getting back. Started getting James Ennis, Aminu, Okiki came back. Um, and now the magic magic finished a four game homestand with a three and one record. Um, now that you're starting to see this team get healthy and, they also did release the second half of the season where it's starting to look like we have the toughest schedule just based on win percentage. Um, do you see this team being really able to make the make a playoff push? Is that is that something with how if if we're looking at a healthy Orlando Magic roster and we'll we'll just go ahead and throw Cole Anthony back in, saying that he's healthy and he's ready to go, he should be ready in the next couple of weeks. Um, do the Magics have a chance? Well, if I think that. You know, with this play-in setup, um, everybody really has a pretty good chance. Um, you know, the way that the Magic were playing, uh, have played recently, certainly points in that direction. You know, I think that their, you know, their defensive has obviously been better. You know, Michael Carter Williams is a big reason for that. Um, you know, they've got they've got Farouk back now. Uh, he's made a couple of starts. He's starting to get his rhythm back. Um, that will only help the defense. Aaron Gordon, when he's able to come back from his ankle injury, that's only going to help the defense. So I think the defense is moving in the right direction and, and the defense will be okay. 
um, you know, that that's going to be something that they'll, they'll be able to hang their hat on every night. And that's going to keep them in a the game. You know, if the offense isn't playing as well as it has at times this season, that defense is going to give them a chance. So, uh, uh, you know, when you look at it from that standpoint, I think they, they do have a shot to make it. Um, and then just the way that this season's gone is it, teams are just, they're going this way, then they're going this way, then they're going this way, then they're going this way. It's been such a roller coaster. You know, one night you're, you know, you're two games out of six. You know, then the next night, maybe, you know, then maybe you're a game out of six. Maybe the next night, if you lose, you're back to two. But there's just such a narrow gap between, you know, seven and 12 right now that it's really, it's really up for grabs. A lot of teams could, could make a move. And, then, you know, if you get hot at the right time, Miami's played well lately, you know, but you've got so many teams to jump over. It's not simple, as simple as just moving from 12th to six. I mean, you've got to go over several teams as well. But I think it's about getting healthy. It's about, you know, you know, starting to play better as a unit. Just the just that they've been able to get guys back has given Steve Clifford more rotations. You know, you you guys probably see, you know, you've seen that. And he's he's tried some different combinations. He's, you know, he's got he's got Okiki playing at the end of games now. Um, because number one, he's he gives them outside shooting, he gives them defense, he gives them rebounding, gives them something that they can use at the end of a game. He has confidence in them. Um so you're seeing Steve Clifford be able to mix and match a little bit more. Um, something he wasn't able to do for a little bit of that stretch. And, uh, you know, it's tough. I mean, look, it took them probably a good two weeks, maybe longer to get over the loss of Markel Fultz. I mean, really not just what he meant for the team on the court, but just the psychological part of it too. And some of the players said they didn't even realize it. didn't even know that it was having that kind of an effect on them. I mean, because, you know, again, Markel is a, another guy who's really loved in the locker room does about all the right things, the way that he's worked to get to where he was. And just, you know, that lingering effect that guys didn't even realize it. So getting, you know, getting back to a good place, uh, you know, guys that feel good about where their game is, they tend to play that way. So you're starting to see a little bit more of that with the magic as well. Yeah. You bring up a good point. When Mark Hill went down, I I'm sure that the players felt that way because the fan base felt that way. Yeah, it was yeah. demoralized. It was demoralizing. And was even, rough. even though that, um, you know, people were excited to kind of see Cole Anthony kind of take that step and, and get those minutes. Um, it, it took Cole Anthony a, a little bit to get his feel for it, but then we started to see him really get into his own. Um, and it, it starts to feel as if, you know, may, maybe we do have a shot and then more injuries happen. Um, so it, it is it is good to see the team start to get their health back because it, it makes a big difference for Nikola Vucevic when he's able to rely on a player like Evan Fournier, Terrence Ross. Yeah. Having Aminu back is, is, is a big deal. You know, we really didn't get a whole lot of time to really see what he's able to bring to the team. And you almost forget how how much he really can impact a game. Yeah, I think that, you know, only being able to play 18 games and it really – you know, left kind of a sour taste in the fans, in the mouths of fans. And, you know, Definitely. not that they held it against them, but just, you know, hey, what what could Farouk have done for us last year? And, you know, I had a chance to ask him, because if you watch him when he came back, he was moving really well. I mean, not like better than mm-hmm. the one I remember from last year. I mean, just looked like a different player. Um, and, you know, I said, hey, one of the questions was, did you feel like your physique has, has changed? What kind of conditioning work did you do? in the off season and such. And, and, um, you know, he said, yeah, I really tried to focus a little bit on that, you know, and you can see it, his body's changed a little bit. He's a little more, he's got a little more, a little better physique this season. And it's, it it shows, 
you know, so the more he gets comfortable, the more minutes he's able to play is only going to help the Magic. He he was a really good three point shooter from the corner in Portland, you know, before he signed with with Orlando. So that's the strength of his. You know, you've seen a little bit of that in Orlando, um, not a whole lot, but he was a pretty strong three point shooter from the corner. And of course, when you got Lillard and McCollum, who were able to drive the ball in the paint and, and oh, throw, yeah. throw it to whomever they want to, I mean, obviously makes that, it easy. That helps. That's a big part of it. Um, you know, the Magic don't quite have that element now. But as you pointed out, Anthony, with Vooch, with the ball going through Vooch as much as it does, you know, guys finding open spots, you know, when they send double teams at him, he's able to find the right guy. So, you know, Farouk being able to make that shot only helps them uh, from an offensive standpoint, helps them spread the floor a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's just just having guys healthy from a mental standpoint is just a boost as well. Yeah, and now one one thing, Roy, that we have coming up, it, it is, you know, 30 days from now, we have the trade deadline. Actually, exactly, 30 days from now. Um, we're starting to see rumors out there more and more, and one of them is Zach Lowe of ESPN, uh, recently mentioned in one of his articles, um, that there's patience and optimism in Orlando about the core players being back next season with J.I. and Fultz coming back from major injuries, and that the only player he thinks that he sees the magic possibly moving is Evan Fournier. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's an accurate statement or do you think there's some wiggle room there with the front office, depending on how things go over the next four weeks? Well, I've said this in the past and I, and I still believe it to be true. I think it's, it's difficult to judge this team because of the injuries. It's hard to look at this team to see what they could be, you know, because they haven't had everybody available. You know, you know early in the season when, when Markel was out there, you kind of got a better idea but they didn't have J.I. So you're still missing an important element of particular of your defense, um, you know, from the, from the help defense that he provides, the shot blocking and rim protection. I mean, he was a steel machine last year too. So he just, he just makes your defense so much better when he's on the floor. Now, you know, that being said, you know, Markel's probably not going to be available when the season starts, if they go back to the, to the normal schedule when they start in October, we don't know yet. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, January-ish before he's probably coming back. So, and you don't, you know, and same with, with Jonathan seems to be on track for his recovery, but at, at the same time, these are major knee injuries and there's no guarantees, mm-hmm. you know, 98% of the time guys come back from them and they're okay. You know, and you certainly, we all certainly want that to be the case for sure. No question. Um, but you just don't ever know. Uh, so, I think that it's really hard to gauge and judge this team based on, on who they don't have. Now, Steve Clifford always says, look, we got to focus more about who we do have and who we don't have, but the front office, they can kind of look at things a little bit differently. So I, I just think that, you know, they've hitched their wagon to Vooch in terms of what he does for the offense. So if he were to be moved, I get it that it's a sell high moment. I get that. His value is probably never greater than it will ever be, but at the same time, who needs Vucevic, but who also can give you what you need and want and at, at the same time, and who's willing to pay that price. I mean, the front office, are, they're listening to offers, you know, they're hearing things. Uh, so they're always going to entertain possibilities, you know. So I don't have anything specific on on what those might be. You know, Vuce's contract is a sli- is slightly descending for the next two years, but he's, you know, he's still making in the mid, mid to upper 20s. That's a big commitment for a lot of teams. You know, the, the Celtics have been rumored to be after him for quite a long time. They were interested a couple of years ago in the offseason when he was a free agent. But they're 
they haven't even started paying Tatum his max deal yet. I mean, it's just, it's not as simple as just saying, okay, he should go to the Celtics. Well, the Celtics would have to send like eight guys back. The Magic can't take eight guys. Um, they, you know, they obviously they have some picks, but you know, I don't, I don't know if they're willing to to take that step beyond, you know, this, this season, you know, and, and I think that Vooch is a good fit in Portland. I mean, the, the way that they run their pick and roll, he spreads that he would spread the floor and shoot the three and really thrive out there. But at the same time, you know, who, who would imagine get back? So I don't, I don't know that it's as easy as looking at it as, as yeah, Vooch is, would, would make any team better but what are the magic getting return? What are they willing to take in return? Um, and in, in terms of Fournier, I think that it certainly makes sense for the magic to try to move him uh, because he is in the final year of his contract. I don't get the sense that, you know, he's really going to be part of what they do moving forward. He does like it here. Um, you know, he, he plays well with Vooch for what it's worth. I know that that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. <laughs> Your own brothers, uh-huh. two man game is really good. You know, when they're, when they're playing well, um, you know, and I think that Evans done a better job this year of kind of diversifying his offense. He's getting to the basket a little bit more, probably turns the ball over just a little bit more than he wants to. Um, but he's getting to the free throw line about five and a half times a game. Um, you know, he's still a really good three point shooter. Um, you know, I think that it's just hard when you, when you step back and look at the NBA landscape, you're like, when you start to look around, you're thinking, who are we going to pay $16 million a year? I mean, he's going to get, he goes in free agency. He's going to get more than that, most likely next season, pandemic sure. notwithstanding. Um, but it's hard to look at that and say, who can we get for sixteen million dollars? Who's going to provide, you know, that kind of value, uh, you know, from the offense? I mean, the idea is that you have Markel at the point, you have Cole at the two, um, and then those guys can mix and match and do all sorts right. of different things. But you know, you just don't quite know what you're going to have with Markel yet. Uh, you know, Cole's still a rookie who's now missed a little bit of time. So still, mm-hmm. you're still looking at, um, you know, progression. He, he's got to be able to be on the court to make progress. As you guys know, that's, that's the best way guys get better. They just got to be on the court. So I, I don't know. I, I could see them trying to move Fournier again. It's going to be the asking price, you know, who's going to take him on an expiring contract. If he's not willing to resign, he says, look, I want to go to free agency. That's going to be a hard sell for a lot of teams. Um, you know, it, if you got a second round pick back, would that be enough? I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. I think what makes everything so difficult is, is the fact that, you know, we, we have suffered injuries for what it seems like, you know, since this front office is kind of taken over, we really haven't been able to see a hundred percent. Um, and the little time that we did, you know, the, the team excelled, they excelled really, really well. Um, and, the fan base kind of, kind of looks at it as, all right, we've tried the Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier thing for a really, really long time. And all we've gotten out of it were game ones and two playoffs. And that's about it. Right. Which, you know, granted to give them credit, you know, that's a lot better than, you know, the pre Steve Clifford era. We were finally able to get back to the playoffs after so many years. Um, but uh, Evan Fournier is, is such a polarizing player because out of everyone on the roster, I would have to say easily he's the one that probably receives the most criticism. But Nikola Vucevic was also in that same boat a couple seasons ago. He's now getting the respect um, from the fan base that he definitely deserves. And I think that he's probably the most unique case because of the fact that now, great, he's he got the second um, feather on the hat with the All-Star game. Um, he's playing really, really well. He's 
given nine years to the franchise, but he's also, you know, entering, uh, he's in his prime, but he's entering the bat, like not the wrong side of, of the 30 where he may not be the, the best piece with the young court. And I, I honestly believe that, uh, Nikola Vucevic is, if you were to move Nikola Vucevic, you're not going to get the same value in return. What he's able to bring to the team, it, I just don't see it possible that you're going to get back something that you're just like, wow, I can't believe we ran away with that. So you mentioned there earlier, do the magic sell high? Is that is that what you would do? Would you take advantage of the fact that Nikola Vucevic is playing out of his mind right now, all-star game, you know, even though we have a really bad season, um, suffering injuries, of course, but he's playing really well. Is now the time to sell Nikola Vucevic? Well, I think that if you're looking at who would be interested, and we mentioned a few teams earlier, you know, if you if you let's say you send him to Portland, you know, and and Portland ends up, you know, finishing fifth or fourth or fifth in 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 the NBA next season, so then your draft pick is still. If you were to get a first round pick back, you know, then you're picking late in the first round. So I I don't know that that is really as you said the best return for, for, for sending him somewhere else. I mean, I, I, I just, I think you make a good point that he means so much to this team at this point that you really would be taking many steps backward. If you, if you were to trade him, that may not be a popular sentiment among fans, but I think that's more of a reality at, at this point based mm-hmm. on who they have available. I mean, you know, if you take away what he means to the offense, where do you go from there? That where, is your offense. You put in his place. I mean, I love Jonathan Isaac, but J.I. is a defensive guy at this point. His offense is still yet to, to develop. Same with, with you know, with Aaron Gordon. Um, you know, you see flashes of that, but consistently speaking, not even close to Vooch's level at this at this point. You know, you, you just you, – you're not going to have that offensive piece. I mean, if you look at the way this team is built, there's a lot of defense around. You've got to have some offense. Um, and that's not to say that they couldn't get better offensively in other areas as well, but – I just think when you remove Vooch from the from the from the equation, you're just looking at a lot more problems. You're just looking at a lot more problems. And Roy, you bring up uh, Aaron Gordon. Now, what do you see him fitting next season? So, yeah, of course, you have Isaac coming back. You have Chumau Kiki, who's playing really well, kind of developing. You have Alfaruk Aminu off the bench. So a lot of forwards, big forwards, right? In that scenario, do you see AG coming back? Or do you see the Magic trying to move him, whether it's a deadline, the offseason? Um, but do you see him in a Magic uniform at some point next season? Uh, yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, I, again, the way that the, the, they value defense, and then what, that's what he gives them. He gives them a lot of defense when he's on the floor. Um, I think you saw some parts of his game that started to come out a little bit that were using him off the ball. Or, I mean, sorry, with the ball a lot more, obviously. We, we, we knew about the point forward uh experiment i shouldn't say experiment that's probably not the right word to use because he did play he did play okay i mean granted he he hasn't Mm -hmm. played it since high school so you know obviously he's going to have some rust but he has that kind of ability as a playmaker um i don't know that they tip you know i don't think that they envision him to stay in that role uh but certainly his versatility is something that that benefited the magic i just i just think that he you know his three-point shot is is still a little suspect um um, you know, and then I think that's really where you've got two guys at the same position between him and J.I. And, you know, offensively, it's, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the answers are. I really don't. Uh, you know, I think that 
you know, AG is on that descending contract. He's got one more year after this one. So he's going to be in kind of the same situation we're talking about with Evan Fournier right now. Um, you know, but I think he makes sense for a lot of other teams too. You know, he's still an extremely, extremely athletic player. He's still fairly young with a lot of NBA experience. Uh, you know, if he can get to the four and stay there and play in that position for, for a whole season, you know, then you, you probably see a little bit more of what he's capable of doing. So, you know, I, I think that they still value him very highly. I, I just don't know what their asking price is. I think that that's probably what's holding them back. They just, you know, they feel like they, you know, he's probably worth a little more than what they want to give up. So, um, you know, that he and J.I. played most, you know, a little bit, half the season last year before J.I. was hurt. So, um, you know, and they, and they did play a little better when Aaron moved into the four. Um, they hit a pretty good stretch there. But, you know, I don't, I don't even know if they're entertaining the idea of maybe playing Jonathan at the five a little bit if they were to trade Vooch. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if that's something that they've talked about um, you know, moving forward. I know it's something Steve Clifford had talked about. Last year in the bubble, he wanted to play Isaac at the five a little bit. Unfortunately, didn't get that chance. But um, that might be uh, an interesting rotation. But I just think that, I just think giving up on coach is, is just just too much offense. Just if you play Jonathan Isaac at the five, Mo will never see the floor. Well, like not, right. <laughs> like not even not even on the bench will he be able to see the floor. Like he the only way that that man's going to be able to see the floor is if he's watching the game on TV so that he's actually able to see the court which you know it's it's i i feel for the guy um now when when you talk about Aaron Gordon and kind of his fit um i think what makes that decision or what may seem like it could make a decision just a little bit easier is obviously the 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 rise of Chumo Kiki um, for me, as as a fan that watches every single game, I I am blown away. He already exceeded my expectations because he was a wild card. You really didn't know what to expect with Chuma. You you knew a little bit of him, but he experienced an injury in college, um, and then you know at first he he played really timid and really um really nervous, which. Granted, big injury, NBA, you know, so many different things. He's a young kid, um, but he's playing really, really well. So seeing Chumo Kiki, seeing, you know, Aminu, and hopefully they can they can maintain healthy. Um, but I think that we may see a situation where maybe they feel confident and comfortable with the forwards that they have. Um, so recently, John Hammond, um, and, and it's great because our front office, they really don't speak a whole lot. Um, so any chance that they get to come out and speak publicly to to the fan base is great because we get to at least hear a little bit of insight. And I won't bore you with the actual quotations, but in essence, I'm not sure if you heard it, but in essence, John Hammond, he ended up saying that, you know, making it to the playoffs a third time in a row it would be great. It'd be nice, but that they're not losing the ultimate um, uh, goal, and that's to win championships. Players are looking to win championships. Uh, coaches are looking to win championships. And the front office, they have that exact same mindset. When you hear that from the front office, that they have that in mind, um, are you buying it? Because the the way that I see it is, you know, it's, it's great. That's what we want to hear. But actions speak louder than words. So if you look at the way that they've drafted with the idea of putting together teams with length, you know, so now you take Jonathan Isaac, he's not, he's out of the picture. You know, as you mentioned with Mo, it's been a crazy couple of years with Mo, uh, you know, so, and they pick Chuma. You don't know what quite what you're going to get with Chuma because of the mm-hmm. injury, as you mentioned, and then they pick Cole Anthony. So, and 
only one of those guys is is getting any playing time at this point. So I think that if you, to be fair, if you look at what they're tr- have been trying to do, it looks like they are trying to move in that direction. But the guys they that they figured and Markel trading for Markel, the guys they want to help push in that direction aren't out there. So not to deflect or say that they you know that maybe they couldn't be doing more, but I I, I just think it's hard to to say they're not really trying when the guys that they thought they were going to have to help push the team in that direction aren't out there. Um, you know, and, and certainly the magic aren't the only team that's been hit by injuries, but you know, when you, when you lose players who are as important as these guys are, and when you have that much, you know, the, such a small margin for error anyway, and you've got to play really well to be, you know, to be one of the better teams in the league. Uh, I think that, you know, that, that really can derail you pretty quickly. Um, and I think that you made a good point too, Anthony, about you know about Chuma. Um, I, I definitely they definitely like like him a lot. Uh, and as you said, there's a lot to like. He plays with such great poise. Uh, he, he, I mean, just his his play just belies his age. You just wouldn't think that he's only 22 years old playing this now his 15th, 16th NBA game. Um, you know, and then something that they talked about early in the season was, look, we we want him to play but we don't want to throw lofty, lofty expectations at him. Um, and I think they've done a good job of letting him get out there, letting him fill different roles. You see him getting more confident all the time. And that and that certainly is the, the type of progression that could maybe lead to trading Aaron Gordon, you know, if Chuma gets to the point where he's able to handle a lot more minutes, um, you know, and, and you, you can take an asset and flip it and get a bigger asset, you know, when you've got somebody who's able to absorb those minutes and play well. So that certainly is a possibility, um, particularly if Aminu continues to stay healthy and they got him for next season, he's able to, to provide minutes. So, you know, Chuma, you know, is able to get valuable playing time and not have, still have all the pressure, you know, maybe of being a starter or a guy that they got, you know, he's got to score 18 points a game, something like that. But I just think that, you know, you, the, the condensed off season is really cut into what he and Cole Anthony you know, we're able, obviously we're able to do in the off season, all the, all the rookies. Uh, so just the fact that they're a little bit behind, uh, it, it makes his play more impressive. Um, definitely, definitely a bright future, uh, you know, moving forward. So, um, but I think that when you, you know, obviously Chuma a piece that they, that they, that they want to lean on. So, I, you know, I, I just think that I don't, I don't know if it's, you know, as realistic as I hear some fans saying, well, why don't we just trade for Bradley Beal? Well, do you understand what exactly that would require you to get Bradley Beal, right? You understand how much money that he makes a season, what you'd have to get an, ar- an arm, a leg, yeah, I mean, all I, your fingers, all your toes. I get it. I mean, absolutely. Who who wouldn't want to have Bradley Beal on their team? I, you know, absolutely. I'm sure I'm sure Jeff Waltman would take that in a heartbeat if it worked for the more hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I, I think that it's it's just sort of all about perspective a little bit and you know and I know fans are frustrated and they don't want to hear another, Hey, we just, you know, we're going to make the playoffs for the third year in a row. We want to make progress. And, you know, and if we, we keep having the same team out there, we're not making any progress. Maybe we should make a change, but I, I think that they haven't had that team out there. So whether or not they could make the jump with that team, I don't know. Nobody knows. Um, You know, maybe they do, maybe they don't, maybe it is time to take this opportunity to mix things up a little bit, but I, you know, I just think when you start moving your best pieces and you, you know, you, you're just going to put yourself farther behind, particularly when you've got 
two of your best players, two of your core players who are coming off major injuries that you just don't know yet, you know, how they're going to be able to perform next year. So I think it's, it's just really risky, you know, to, to do that, to do that. But I, I totally understand where fans are coming from, uh, you know, in terms of, look, we, maybe we got to do something, you know, this just isn't working, but, you know, I think to be fair, you have to kind of step back and see what they've been able to put on the court too. So. I think that it, what makes it hard is that, it, it feels like just it just so happens that every draft that we have, you know, it's a it's a player that's just injury prone, and right. it's 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 tough. But a part of me kind of felt like maybe that was the plan, that because they said it from the very beginning that you know that it's not something that they're looking to turn around right away. That it's going to take some time. They're looking for the future, and and we're we're looking at a few years down the road and it's like man great we made the playoffs and that's that's the part that is kind of conflicting right because it's a double-edged sword that we we got so antsy about not making the playoffs that's what we wanted to do we wanted to feel that and then finally we get that and now that's not enough we want more and great yeah Bradley Beal to this team would be amazing. I've always talked about, you know, Nikola Vucevic. If you were to get this man to play, have Nikola Vucevic not be your number one option, you bring in a player that is a lot better than Nikola Vucevic, then he's just going to be better all around and is going to be able to help out so much. We haven't been able to see that just yet. And a lot of people are expecting for this draft to be you know, the, uh, a franchise changing draft. You talked a little bit about, you know, Evan Fournier, Evan Fournier right now, uh, I want to say I read an article on hoops hype where they were listing, um, the, the top available shooting guards and Evan Fournier was top three on that list on available mm-hmm. shooting guards. And he's on your roster as it is. You obviously don't want to have that financial commitment for an Evan Fournier. So where are you going to find that shooting guard? And that's either going to come, via trade but you're right who's willing to make the trade for you know a player that is expiring unless they they're they have a disgruntled player which is normally when you would take advantage but other than that you're kind of hoping that you know the draft is is where you're going to find that player yeah no question and you know it's and even then i mean if you look at some of the rookies this year you know some of the guys that i was you know kind of high on and i'll tell you the magic surprised me with not really surprised me i, I you know it surprised me well, we knew he was on the radar you know, but I really thought that they would pick a shooter. I thought Sadiq Bay was a guy that fit pretty well here. Um, mm-hmm. I even liked, uh, you know, Maxi as a, as a guy that could really step in and be a, a nice spark plug. And he's playing well. He is playing really well. Um, but, and again, you know, maybe it's all about the teams that they go to, you know, the system that they're playing in, and the coach that they have, and 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 those sorts of things. You know, it's it's all sorts of factors. I mean, you, we could talk about rookies who are not having very good seasons or struggling a little bit. You know, Anthony Edwards has been up and down in Minnesota. I mean, I know that's not the, the, the greatest uh, roster, uh, you know, r- around him, but he's kind of been up and down. Um, you know, obviously Wiseman has been hurt, but um, in terms of shooters, you know, I thought, I thought Sadiq Bay would have been a good guy. I mean, I think they really wanted to pick Neesmith if the Celtics hadn't taken him. Um, you know, that's a guy that can really stretch the floor too. So you're right. Who do you who do you get? I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, we want to move player A, but we need player B to become player A. So where do we find that player? You know, you you just it's it's you know it's just a big game of chess. You know, you can't just move one piece without having to move another piece. And then if you don't make the right move, then uh, you know you're talking about negative ramifications. So uh, it, it is. It's it's tough. You know, it's if Evan goes to free agency, you know. 
he's probably going to get a lot more money and, you know, that's good for him. I mean, that's, that's just the way it works. You know, you, you, you know, you get better, you get paid. So, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, you're not going to be able to find a shooter for $16 million a year. I mean, that's just, that's just not the way it's going to work. So you have to find, if you said, like I said, in the draft, and then do you, you know, does it take that guy time to develop? Does he step in and play well right away? Who knows? You know, does, right. does he get hurt in the 15th game of the season, you know, taking a charge? I think that's what happened to Cole. Um, you know, so is that, is that what happens? It's, it's just, so, it's just, that's one thing I've learned covering this game is just so unpredictable. You know, you can, the best, the, the best laid plans, you know, can, can be, uh, you know, thrown aside quickly, you know, when, when, when things like this happen, when injuries come up or, you know, guys not playing well and his confidence is shaking a little bit. And then it takes him 20 games to get out of it. So it's just a crazy game. It is. And, and I think that's something that I think I've said over the last three to four episodes. I think I've said it in every single one. I wouldn't want to be in that front office right now making those decisions because it is a lot coming up and that they have to make decisions on. Whether, again, it's the Fournier situation, what to do with AG, what to do with next season, the draft. It's it's a lot going on. As fans, we like it. We, we like the transactions, the trades and all that good stuff. But as the people making those decisions, it is not easy at all. So it's 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 going to be interesting as for a fan base to witness all this kind of develop. Um, but I'm going to put you, Roy, to wrap it up here today. I'm going to put you on that GM seat for a second. And I'm going to ask you, if you were the person running the Magic, you know, what would that trade, that line look like for you? What would you do? And then taking it back to reality, what do you think actually will happen? What do you think the Magic will do here in 30 days when the deadline is, comes up? Well, I would trade for Nolan Arenado. That's what I would do, you know. So, <laughs> so I, just to, just to your point, Al. I mean, I've been they've been after Nolan Arenado for like five years now. So then you know they finally made the trade for him this offseason. So you know, sorry to throw a little baseball in there, but I, I think it's just like they finally felt like that was the, the time was right to do it. Uh, so I think that that's where the magic front office is. There's just like you know, it's. You could almost flip a coin. You could stay where you are. I think they're just in a they're in a really tough spot. You know, do you do you shed some of your better players and try to get some assets and move forward and hope that your young guys pan out? Um, you know, and if they don't, you're taking another step back. So now you're you know you're putting yourself maybe a year or two behind. Um, but is that is that move worth it in the long run? Um, you know, I I I think the injuries just make it so hard to predict. You know, just because I think they've had a pretty good team in place um, and they just haven't been able to put those guys on the floor. So um, I like Cole as a player. I think that he's got a pretty good future moving forward. I think he would fit well alongside Markel. I don't know if he's ready to step in and be the two guard next year. Um, so I think that, you know, you, you maybe you draft another another shooting guard. You know, maybe you, you, you find a, a, a trade partner for Evan. You know, you get a second round pick. Uh, maybe you get a, maybe you get a serviceable player, service, serviceable player back for him. Um, you know, and you, you know, you, you, you focus on the draft. Um, so, and then, you know, you've, you're, you're able to, you know, this is a hard question. I haven't really thought about it that much. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, for me, it seems like um, any predictions that I have ever done 
um, for what the magic might do, they do the 100% complete opposite. That's why a lot of times when we hear um, different reports that come out for the magic, we know that this front office, it, it's not coming from them. They keep everything close to the chest. Yeah. And the whole Markel, like, for example, the Markel Fultz trade that we did in the last minute, or just a couple minutes before the trade deadline, Markel Fultz was left field. Nobody reported anything about possibility talk. There was none of that. And the fact that they were able to pull that out, you know, really goes to show that, you know, our front office, we need to give them a little credit. But yet they haven't done anything that was a a heavy risk. And my fear has always been that our front office is they're conservative. And I believe that they may overvalue our players. And they just haven't found something that they liked. What makes it hard is that every year that we wait, these players are getting older. And and maybe the hype and the value, for an example, a player like Aaron Gordon may not be as high at the age of 25 than it would have been at the age of 23. These players are, you know, they're not, they're, they're veterans. And it's hard to believe that because, you know, everything went by so fast. It feels like just the other day we traded Alfred Payne for a second round pick and a bag of chips, you know, and, and it, that might be the possibility of what we do with Evan Fournier just to make sure that we don't get left with anything. And I think that what makes it fun is the fact that we're we're gonna find the actual answers out in less than thirty days. And March twenty fifth is, is is coming around a lot faster than than what people assume. So I guess uh, to to save you off the hot seat, I, I guess we'll we'll just kind of wait and see see what happens. But Roy, it was such a pleasure having you on this show with us. Um, thank you so much for not only taking a day off just to be on our show. I'm just kidding. I know it's your wife's <laughs> birthday, but we'll use that as an excuse. We we appreciate you coming on with us. And and again, man, we we love everything you do, and I look forward to us talking about what actually ends up happening. Absolutely. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on anytime, anytime, guys. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. On that note, it's a wrap for this episode. Talk to you guys later. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of magic fans. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Ozone Pod. And remember to subscribe and leave a five-star review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.